coming up in this episode of Finding Common Ground. We're talking about the mountains where you find the moonshine stills and stuff where oh, yeah. nobody, you know, you way back in the mountains. Yeah. The last thing you need is the good looking black guy <laughs> way back in the mountains. The way I tell them that is say, can I get you a bigger chair? Some people pray P-R-A-Y for you and some people pray P-R-E-Y only. There are two sides to every coin. How do we deal with racial issues when they affect relationships? Finding common ground on all those issues that we come against. There's black and there's white. And I think as Christians, we have to learn how to get together because we're not in heaven. I've met more interesting people just by God just bringing them in. Republicans and Democrats. But a lot of times when it comes to race and it comes to culture and it comes to perception, even as Christians, we don't always understand. We look at it through our lenses. There's Bill. I grew up in a suburb of Cleveland called Parma. Uh, Any black the, people in Parma? There was not one. Not one black person, not Bill? Not one. Come not on, Bill, one. you got to have one, a token nope. black person, a token. And there's Odell. I grew up in Charleston, South Carolina, public housing, single mom, divorced single mom with four kids, and I came up through segregation and all that kind of stuff. If a black person drove through the town, the police would stop and escort them out. Bill and Odell are finding common ground. A part of what we have to do is listen to each other, find the common ground, and question, not questioning you like you're on a witness stand, but questioning you for a better understanding. Dear Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you for the end of the week as we uh, look forward to a weekend. Lift up uh, the Brady family as they uh, put to the rest their mother who just recently passed away. Uh, Lord, uh, thank you for all the blessings you've bestowed on our family and the things you've been, we've been able to provide ourselves because of you. Uh, we ask uh, that you bless those folks that uh, may not have and that let us be able to help those folks as, uh, as you bring them to our door and uh, into our lives. Amen. Father God, we come to you just saying thank you. God, we continue to pray for Ukraine. We continue to pray for all that are still in need. God, we have such a short attention span and we go from headline to headline. God, we thank you for your grace and mercy that endureth. God, we continue to bless families. We bless individuals. We bless leaders, God, as they make tough decisions because leaders' decisions shouldn't be those things that only benefit them. So God, continue to anoint your leaders, put the right leaders in place, God, and then anoint the followers so that we can follow your will. Not a man or woman, but follow your will. So God, we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' precious name, we pray and believe. Amen. 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 Hey, Odell, you going down to Charleston this weekend? I will be going to Charleston this weekend, Bill. We'll be going down to celebrate my mother's 80th birthday party. And we'll have an event outdoors, of course, because of COVID. And we're going to look forward to it uh, because I don't know, but just quite possible. My mother may not live to for another 80 years. She may not live to be 160. And I'm 62 years old, so I may not live to be 120 yeah, I'm 124. I had to think about that thing for a minute, Bill. You know, my math is good. Let me just tell you how good my math is, Bill. The last time I checked, 
your boy lost 40 pounds. So my math oh my is God. good, Bill. I, I'm doing wow. I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. So we're trying. We're still on the program. We haven't fell off the program yet. So we're very happy for what's happening um, with our weight loss journey, even with the mental, spiritual, emotional, and physical aspects of it. So yes, things are going well for your good friend. 40 pounds. Holy cow. That is fantastic. Now, do you have a, a, a number you want to lose in total or is it? Bill, I have a goal. I have a goal of 50 pounds. Mm -hmm. I'm going to um, reach 50. And once I get 50, I'm going to look around the corner and I'm going to kind of wink at 75 and I'll see what happens from there. So that's my goal. You know, goals are stretch goals, things we need to do. But it feels good to know that we are trying to do the best we can for health purposes. So it's, it's good, but also the whole emotional aspects of talking about it. And if people say, well, well, wait a minute now, you you putting it out there on your podcast or you putting it out there on Facebook or whatever you're doing, ah, oh, man, that, that's kind of putting you on the spot. You know, Bill, sometimes we need to be put on the spot because the thing about it is when I was not healthy and when I was overweight, it wasn't like people didn't notice. People didn't say anything. You know, we said, ah, oh, man, people, people are going to be watching you. Well, people were watching us before. What do you say, Bill, when someone you love or a friend or family member is way overweight? Do you say anything to them or only one's mother or grandmother would say, well, are you overweight? You need to lose weight. And friends just don't say anything. Well, you know, you bring up an interesting point. I'm going to tell you two stories. One is uh, to answer your first one. Do I tell friends that I think are overweight? The way I tell them that is say, can I get you a bigger chair? <laughs> Because I don't remember asking you asked me, do I need a bigger chair? But I have to go back through the archives of my mind. I remember you sitting on some chairs in our back porch and they started creaking and you moved to another chair. Well, that's, that's possibly true. That's possibly true, Bill. And after you left, I put new screws in all those chairs to make sure they were strong. I don't want my buddy to fall down. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you. So hopefully uh, those screws will hold up. Yeah, I think they will. Now that you're now that you're so lightweight, it's you've I probably could you're gonna be able to fit in anything. The uh uh in the second thing is I was uh one time we went out to uh Montana with a bunch of scouts and we're out visiting uh Temple Sloan. Temple's got an interesting background. He was chairman of the board of Bank of America and he owned CarQuest, he owns a bunch of other companies, very wealthy, very smart businessman. So we were out to his ranch to talk to him about uh, supporting a Boy Scout initiative called the Polaris Method. And we took a, a, one of the guys that uh, was a professional scouter uh, that was a friend of his, I won't use his name, but uh, he, he's very, very overweight. And him and Temple were good friends uh, through Boy Scouts uh -huh. and uh, to the point that uh, Temple confided in personal things. So uh, we brought this gentleman out with us. It was myself, uh, another volunteer who was a big banker and then uh, the CEO of the Boy Scouts and this other gentleman. Well, we're out there and Temple doesn't mince words. He's, he's in his eighties. He doesn't have to be, you know, polite. Not that not, he's not, he's polite. He's always polite, but he's blunt. And right. uh, he looked at him and he goes, you are fat. You need to lose some weight. I'm worried about your health. He says, you got to push back from the table, not eat so much. And he gave it to him a couple of times. And the guy admitted, he says, yeah, I've got to, I got to figure out how to lose some weight. 
Uh, so I'm not that blunt with people that that makes puts me in an uncomfortable spot. Uh, I think people know if they're overweight. I don't think it needs to be pointed out because they got to look in the mirror every day and uh, they probably know it. I think like, how did you get into your routine? You know, it was a guy in a podcast, Sandy Brady, right? Yeah, it was Sandy who said, oh, that we were talking, you know, and I think our regular listening audience will remember this. We were just talking into at the end of the podcast. I was saying, Sandy, congratulations on losing over 100 some odd pounds. And Sandy said, great. And I can't remember exactly, but something was said. And then Sandy like, hey, if you want to lose weight, you call me. It's simple as that. And it was a challenge, but it was more than a challenge, Bill. You know, the Bible talks about seeds. Some seeds are planted on fertile ground. Some seeds are planted on stony ground. Some seeds are planted. And when the heat of the sun comes up, you know, it kind of snatched them away or the birds come and get them and all this kind of stuff. I think that I was in a, a place, mental place, where that challenge, that word came forth because we weren't talking about weight control. We were talking about Sandy talking about some of the challenges that he's had in his life where, you know, from addiction to other things. And that came out and it was just, let me call him, let me call him. And I called him and he just said, Hey, listen, this is what you have to do. If you, this is what I can help you with. If you want to help yourself, you know, I can't save you, Odell, if you don't want to save yourself. And again, Bill, what we're not trying to do is sit here and say, oh, man, okay, Odell, so you lost 40 pounds. So who died and left you in charge? So that's all you talk about is weight. Are you bragging? No, I'm not bragging. What I am saying, no, this was something that unbeknownst to me fully, to answer your question, I was struggling with it, but not struggling with it. And one time I remember me making a joke. I used to make this joke, slim and trim black guy. I don't know if you remember me saying that. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we joke about things that really uh, bother us. So it's deep. It gets deep. And I'm sure it's deep for a lot of other people from a physical perspective. Of course, we know what that does. But how about from a mental perspective or emotional perspective or even a spiritual perspective? Because not that everybody who's thin is healthy. I'm sure thin people have uh, mental, spiritual, emotional, and physical challenges. However, for me, and I can only speak for me, uh, this has been one of the best things that I've done for myself in quite a long time. And if anybody out there uh, would love to find out, Odell, what's going on? How are you doing this? Listen, just hit me up at Odell at OdellCleveland.com. Odell at OdellCleveland.com. We could have a conversation. But Bill, just, I remember, you know, we used to laugh and joke when you invited me over for pizza. And you said one thing. You said, all I know is one thing. Well, you sure can eat a lot of pizza. You know, and that was funny. <laughs> you know? Yeah, you didn't eat any more pizzas than me, though. We ate about the same. I was just picking on you. But, you know. I'm proud of you, uh, as well as, you know, it's, it's the healthy thing to do. You're going to live longer, you know, carrying that weight around is, is a stressor on your, on your body, your heart, everything. So losing the weight, you know, is, uh, going to help. Well, listen again to all our listeners. Um, we're talking, we're just talking. Um, listen, I'm there. I'm still there. I'm on a journey. 
you know, a lot of times people uh, take pictures, Bill, before and after, meaning that, hey, this is what I look like before and this is what I look like after. And I believe in that. I don't believe in doing it with your shirt off and all that kind of stuff like some people do. But I took my pictures as then, meaning that um, I think I started April 13th. And then I, the second picture was now, and that'll be June the 13th, and it's going to say lost 40 pounds. Well, the reason I say then and now is for me as a continuum is not before or after because it's a lifestyle, something I have to do for the rest of my life to extend my life. And that's hard for me to even be talking about openly before because who wants to talk about uh, our weaknesses or our room for improvement? We always want to talk about, you know, Odell, the good-looking black guy, the this, this, this. Nobody wants to talk about Odell, the overweight black guy. But at the end of the day, I hope that through my experiences, your experiences, and other people's experiences, Bill, that uh, something good will come out of it other than Odell get to live longer, other than Odell gets to spend hopefully more time with his uh, grandchildren. And hopefully when we go to Paris later on and uh, England, that Odell can walk around the city without feeling bad. Because let me tell you something about when you're overweight. A lot of walking, when you haven't done a lot of walking, a lot of walking is a lot of walking. <laughs> well, now you'll be able to go up and down, chase the deer that you miss. Well, I don't know about that. Oh, <laughs> man. Oh, ouch, 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 ouch. Wow. Uh, tell that story real quick, audience, Bill, because I'm not, I'm still ashamed of the story, but not as ashamed now. But tell that to everybody. Hey, that was embarrassing. It, it happens to everybody that goes deer hunting. You get the deer shakes and you, uh, you wound the deer or you miss it completely. And then you got to go see if you hit it and look for a blood trail. And we did that uh, a couple of years ago up in uh, John Wilson's place. And unfortunately it's at the top of a mountain. It's about a little over 4,000 feet. And we had to go down a gully, up a gully, down a gully, up a gully, chasing, you know, finding the tracking this deer. Eventually he got away. Uh, but uh, poor Odell, man, he was, he was good going down. It was the going ups that was the tough part. <laughs> man i wasn't good at all i mean it it just hurt the whole idea of being up that high also in the fact that going all the way down and to those who don't understand it wasn't like a trail we're going on the on the side of a mountain up and down the side of a mountain in low gullies outside the gullies it was just something and after a while it's like oh my god odell are you going to be able to walk are you going to be able to make it out of here and i did but boy, that was an experience. And that was hard because it was raining. So yep. just imagine it's raining. You're going up and down the side of a mountain. Everything you put your foot on is slippery. Yep. From the mud to the rocks to everything else. So you really start thinking about, hey, if I get hurt in here, how, how, how are they going to get me out of here? But at the same time, I got Bill and John, both Bill's older than I am. And John, I don't know his age, but they're scooting around and running around the mountains like it ain't nothing to it. So it's just me struggling. And it's like, why are you struggling, Odell? Well, you didn't have hiking boots. You had you had some galoshes on. You didn't have the right equipment. And, and so that made a difference too. You couldn't you couldn't walk without slipping. And uh, but I, you know, if you would have gotten hurt there, uh, we would have probably left you. There you go. <laughs> and so our audience need to understand. We're talking about the mountains where you find the moonshine stills and stuff where oh, yeah. nobody, you know, you way back in the mountains. Yeah. The last thing you need is the good looking black guy <laughs> way back in the mountains. We don't need that. Trust no, me. No, so, we, you know, what's new with you, sir? 
Well, you know, uh, we had some sad news this week. Uh, we went to the funeral of uh, Mary Gay Brady, Don Brady's widow. Uh, Don passed away about a year and a half ago. And he's a good, good friend of mine and a great mentor. And uh, Mary Gay passed away and we had her funeral this week and it was at a Catholic church. <clears throat> and, you know, I was born and raised Catholic. I went to an all boys Catholic high school. Uh, in fact, in grade school, the bus would pick us up and drop us in front of the church and we'd go in and sit in the church in a particular pew that with our classes, classmates. Wow. Okay. And, uh, and the boys sat in one row, the girls sat in another, and then the nuns sat right behind us. And she, you, you didn't want to mess around because she'd come around and whack you in back of the head. When you weren't even expecting it. The back of the head. Oh yeah. She'd sneak up. They, they were sneaky. Those things. I used to think you could hear them because they carry these rosaries and make noise. Uh -huh. They would tuck them into their, whatever their blouse was. And you couldn't hear it. And, uh, Man, they come up and, and they had a good forehand, man, to whack you. And, and you'd be sitting there and the guy next to you would get hit and you go, I don't know what he did, but I'm going to sit straight up right here. And, uh, but it was uh, growing up. But what made me think about, uh, we were in the Catholic church and Dory and I were there and uh, they had a, a bulletin for the funeral service. And in the bulletin, they had a statement. Uh, it was called... Uh, Guidelines for the Reception of Communion, okay. and uh, said here, uh, National Conference of Catholic Bishops approved the guidelines for reception of communion, uh, and uh, to, to remind those that are attending Catholic uh, services of the present discipline of the church with regard to sharing of the Eucharist, and uh, so it says here, it, it's broken out, it says for Catholics, for our fellow Christians, for those not receiving communion, and for non-Christians. Mm -hmm. so, so I fall in the category of fellow Christians, as you do. And, it, and I, I, I'm going to read it. We welcome our fellow Christians to this celebration of the Eucharist as our brothers and sisters. We pray that our common baptism and action of the Holy Spirit in this Eucharist will draw us closer to one another and to begin to dispel the sad divisions which separate us. We pray that these uh, will lessen and finally disappear in keeping with Christ's prayer for us that we may all be one because Catholics believe the celebration of Eucharist is a sign of the reality of oneness of faith, life, and worship. Members of who, those churches with whom we are not fully united and are ordinarily not admitted to Holy Communion are not, yeah, are, are not committed to Holy Communion. Eucharist sharing in exceptional circumstances by other Christians requires permission according to directive of the bishops and provisions of canon law. So you, you can't take communion if you're not Catholic in a Catholic church. Wow. And, you know, I, I started thinking about that and I'm, I'm saying, okay, where in the Bible is that, that you, it says you can't, you know, when, when they had the last supper, I don't remember Jesus saying, well, this is only for the Catholics. And if you have another religion, you can't do this. Uh, so, so it, it's, and it says the canon law. Well, yeah. that, that's a man-made law by the Pope and the bishops. And we were taught as Catholics, the Pope is infallible. So he can't, any edict he comes out with is, that's it. It's from God. And, uh, and I don't remember that being in the Bible. Uh, so, you know, it, it kind of sets me back a little that if they, 
we want to be together as one. What is it? Uh, that we may be one. This is John 17, 21. If we may be one, why the restrictions? What say you? Well, you know, it's interesting. Um, I spend a lot of time in churches, as you know, or faith communities. I've been blessed to have had opportunities to preach in, I don't think a Catholic church, but in a Jewish temple, a Jewish synagogue, um, Baptist churches, uh, Pentecostal churches, white churches, black churches. I remember um, getting the opportunity in my younger years to preach in a, a church and I got there, I was a guest preacher and three people were there. And it's like, okay, well, here I am. Y'all called me to preach. You asked me to come as a guest speaker and three people in the church. So Bill, I just remembered something in the Bible or something somewhere said that if you can't preach to few, God will never put you in a position to preach to thousands of many. So I preached to those three people, like I was preaching to thousands of people in the room. And before it ended, we had, we went from three to about 14 people, but I, I don't know. I, I don't know because religion is a powerful thing. Um, it's a concept that if you're not careful, it can be used for you with your faith, but also used against you. And men and women who are humans and fallible can manipulate others through our religion. Uh, many people have been hurt in, through religion by the name of, in the name of Jesus. A lot of people have been hurt also. So we have to keep that in front of us. But also some people pray P-R-A-Y for you and some people pray P-R-E-Y on you. And the church, as much as I love it, the church is not perfect. Or let me reiterate that the individuals inside of the church or inside of the mosque or inside of the temple, or inside of the synagogue, or inside of whatever we say, in the faith community are not perfect. We are just people trying to do the best we can. So for the Catholic church to make that statement, then I think they have every right to make it. But at the same time, does do I believe in it or make it right? No, just because we have the right to do something doesn't always make it right. So I hope I answered your question um, in a direct way using all the many words that I can. <laughs> yes, you did. And you made me think of a couple of things. One is you said religion could be used uh, to justify some things that aren't right. Um, and, you know, slavery is one of those. They, yeah. they use the Bible saying that black people were not uh, worthy, I guess, or humans or something. But back then that they, they preached that. And uh, it, it, uh, it, so that, that's one thing that jumps out. The second thing is a little funny anecdotal story. I have a buddy that's Jewish and he told me about the first time he took Holy Communion. And I said, well, how did, how did that happen? And he goes, well, I've never been in a Catholic church. He said, but I was dating a Catholic girl <laughs> and, uh, and her mother passed. And so I wanted to be there for, uh, you know, I was consoling her and she asked me if I would go with her to the funeral service. And I said, absolutely. So I'd never been in a Catholic church. And he said, so I walk in and the first thing he saw was a, uh, a guy hanging on the cross in his underwear. And he's going, what in the world is this? And he, he had no concept, you know, he right. knew about Jesus, but he didn't know that's what was the thing that people 
thought about was the crucifixion and the resurrection. And he just looked at it. This is crazy. These people are worshiping somebody that's being uh, mutilated. And it's, so it startled them. And they went past that and they sat in the pew. And, you know, and he was trying to follow along. He's sitting next to his girlfriend, trying to, you know, in Catholic church, you do a lot of standing and kneeling and sitting right. And right. back and forth. Well, time came for communion. And uh, she said, I'm going to go up to communion. Will you come with me? And he goes, sure. Well, he didn't realize what that meant. Right. And uh, so he, he goes up and they kneel down and uh, he says, I'm looking over and there's this priest handing out little pieces of bread and little things of wine. People were drinking out of a goblet. This is way before COVID. He, and he's thinking, what in the world am I going to do? So he whispers to her. He says, look, at, I've never done communion. What do I do? And she says, well, just put your hand out and he'll put the bread in there and say, amen. And then take a sip of the wine. He goes, oh, that sounds pretty good. How much wine can I have? Yeah, he said, just a sip. So he did it. And uh, he went back. And he told his mom and dad that he had gone to communion at a Catholic church. And he said, they just about freaked out. <laughs> well, a lot of times, Bill, people don't know. Uh, I was thinking about what you were saying that uh, how scripture can be used for one reason or another. And one of the main scriptures was slaves obey your masters. You know, that was a big deal. That was a, a scripture. And a lot of times that was utilized by the quote unquote plantation preacher, meaning that you find an individual who was a slave. Um, he or she was the preacher, and that um, scripture was used to help keep things in line to a certain degree, but people found liberation in there, too. On oh, another thing, too, one of the things when we go into different people's churches as we start wrapping up is that I remember growing up, and there used to always be Jesus in the church, of course, but it was a blonde hair, blue-eyed Jesus, and then later on, Jesus would be in the church, but it was a black Jesus. So, Bill, if you ever went into a white church and saw a black Jesus uh, hanging there or a picture of a black Jesus, and if you did, do you think, or if many uh, white people saw a black Jesus in their church, would they see that as blasphemy? Yeah, in a good black question. church in the early years, when you saw a white Jesus with blue eyes and blonde hair, it's like, okay, that's just acceptable. Yeah, no, I, I, that's a good question. I'm going to tell you a story about that, but I have seen a black Elvis. Okay. <laughs> Elvis and Jesus are two different things, Bill. <laughs> yeah, but you know, we had a guy come and preach at our church and uh, he was talking about, he was black. He was talking about when he grew up in his house, there was a picture of John F. Kennedy, Martin Luther King, and a picture of the last supper. And at the last supper, all the, all the apostles and Jesus were black. Uh -huh. And uh, so he went over, you know, he, that's how he grew up. And, and he eventually got a friend that was white and uh, he invited him over for dinner and he walks in the house and he looks at the step picture with the apostles and Jesus with the last supper and they're all white. Uh -huh. And he's going, who jacked up my Jesus? <laughs> <laughs> but that's kind of how we learn it. That's how we learn it. And it's, it's sad that everything not everything. A lot of things uh, we see it through our different lenses. And that's why common ground is so important because we get to ask the question, not questioning one like they're on the witness stand, but questioning for a better understanding. Because if I did 
uh, grew up in an environment where my Jesus and the Last Supper and everyone was black and you grew up with your Jesus and everyone was white, then we would ask the question, who jacked up our Jesus? Yes. So, so here yep. we don't have to ask that question. Uh, we talk about things that may seem simple, but we all coming from different perspectives, coming to the same place. So what say you, my friend, as we wrap up? Well, you know, I'll tell you one more little story and then we'll, we're done. Uh, I was up in the mountains and I stopped at a stoplight and I look over on the side uh, of the road are about 15 different little yard signs, all with different churches mm. and congregations pointing in the direction of that church. And I took a picture of it because uh, it was a red light. I had time to take a picture and I posted on Facebook and I said, I wonder which one God is in. Mm. And and somebody came back with the scripture that says, if two or more are together in my name, I'm there. So it doesn't matter to the congregation. If you're there for God, he's there. Amen, brother. I'm going to say that. Amen. Bill, listen, we enjoyed um, these conversations, man, just the conversations from the weight loss to the Catholic church to the all the different church signs there at the stoplight. Yep. And we just thank God for Jesus. But we also thank God for others and other religious beliefs and the tolerance for them tolerating us as Christians sometimes. Yep. And, you know, instead of us tolerating them as Christians tolerating other faiths, let's say we thank God that other faiths tolerate us as Christians because a lot of times as Christians, we act like we're the only faith in the world. Amen. And I know we don't like to say that, but we can be very arrogant sometimes with our faith. We could even be, well, if you're not a Christian like us, then something's wrong with you. Yep. And so we, we don't want to say that here. We want to say, we believe what we believe, you believe what you believe. So let's find common ground in our beliefs. And the common ground is usually rooted somewhere into what you do for others helping others goodwill toward men it's enough common ground there so we continue to look over all the obstacles because a lot of times we're looking for what we don't agree on what our holy scriptures don't agree on and if we can look for what our holy scriptures do agree on whether it's in a mosque a temple a synagogue a church a black church white church let's let's look let's look for the goodness let's look for the good stuff there amen. let's look for the good stuff amen Find Bill and Odell online at thecommonground.show. This podcast is a production of BG Ad Group. Darren Sutherland, executive producer. Jeremy Powell, creative director. Jacob Sutherland, director. All rights reserved. This podcast is proudly sponsored by whether you're a big, medium, or small business, managing and growing the bottom line is important. Focus CFO brings the experience and financial acumen of a Fortune 100 Chief Financial Officer to your company at a fraction of the cost. PL help, internal reporting processes, or any business transitions or events. Focus CFO will help you and your team have a CFO in your company's back pocket. Focus CFO. Learn more at focuscfo.com. This podcast is brought to you by Yes Weekly. 
the triad's largest circulated and best read weekly magazine. You can also find us online at yesweekly.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Yes Weekly, your trusted news leader for local arts, entertainment, music, food, and more for nearly 18 years.